Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of In the Zone. I'm Giancarlo Alino here with Chris Martelli. Uh, no Pinello today, uh, but it's all good. We're going to continue this on. We're going to start off with some hoop. Uh, Chris, there was uh, news coming out of the NBA the other day. Avery Bradley won't be joining the Lakers when they resume in the playoffs. Uh, do you think this is going to be a one-case uh, issue, or will more players be declining the invitation to play in the playoffs? Uh, I think this is going to be a trend. I think a lot of players are going to uh, just basically cancel the season for health reasons, and I think that's not a bad decision at all. You know, Avery Bradley said, why would he go? Uh, he doesn't want to hurt his family in any way. He doesn't want his family to be at risk. So um, it's unfortunate with what's happened and how long it's been going on for. And we really haven't seen uh, an improvement. If anything, it's it's gotten worse. And, you know, the destination, Florida, it's been a hot hotbed right now for cases. So if I'm Avery Bradley, I think he's doing the right thing. I think the Lakers organization will miss him for sure as a player. But like we said before, the pod went up. I think this transaction period here for teams, I think it's going to be very important to to get that final piece to win a championship. But don't don't get me wrong. Avery Bradley, uh, he's a hell of a player. He's one of the better perimeter defenders in the NBA. So I think the Lakers, regardless, they're going to miss Avery Bradley for sure. Yeah, Bradley does play, even this season, even though if he didn't start a few games, he did play an important role for them. So now with this spot open, a lot of guys are saying, okay, J.R. Smith would be the guy to come in. I don't know if he'd be that kind of fit for that team, especially the way the Lakers play. If you have Danny Green kind of playing that role, shooting threes, J.R. Smith's going to come in. Uh, you don't know how many touches he'll get or if he'll even be more aggressive with his shots. So do you think J.R. Smith would be the ideal fit or should they look at someone else? Um, I would maybe if, if, if they're going for a shooting guard as Avery Bradley is a one or a two guard, it's J.R. Smith is, he's a pretty good option. You know, he's played with LeBron before he's got, he's, you know, the, the chemistry is definitely there. Even, you know, with, with the incident that happened in, in the finals in game one, when he didn't know it was uh it was a tie game, but that's okay. Uh, that's in the past. I think J.R. Smith is going to be hungry. He hasn't played at all this year, and he still believes that he's better than a lot of NBA, current NBA players. And kind of for me, J.R. Smith, it's kind of been like how Carmelo has taken it like last year. Remember when he was searching for a job and everyone's like, well, how is Carmelo not in the league? You know, he's, he's outstanding, and Carmelo saw himself better than a lot of players. So I think J.R. Smith will be very fired up especially for basketball coming back and him finally having a, a roster spot. So uh, if I'm the Lakers, I don't think it hurts to, to, to try it with J.R. Smith. Another guy that I think would be a great fit, even though he's a little older, is, believe it or not, Jamal Crawford. I think he still can probably play another season, and I think he's, he's got the flashiness of a Lance Stevenson, and we all know Lance is uh, in China right now, so... Uh, J Jamal Crawford would literally be like what Lance was last year to the team. So I think Jamal Crawford or J.R. Smith would be, uh, th they wouldn't be better replacements in terms of defensive play because Avery Bradley, uh, like I just said, his defensive game is amazing. His offensive game is tailed off a bit, but his defensive game has gotten better. 
But then you have J.R. Smith and Jamal Crawford, where I think they would give you a little more um, wiggle room offensively in case guys got cold. I think J.R. Smith would come in off the bench and maybe shoot a couple threes and, you know, get the Lakers bench going. So either way, I think for both sides, it's it's a good gamble. Yeah, imagine Jamal Crawford. That would be interesting. Like, I'm surprised he hasn't even found his way on a team. He had like 50 points in a game last year, especially at his age, can still produce, like you said. So if they were to like expand rosters, could you see even a situation where Vince Carter, who recently retired, comes back and, I don't know, let's say the Raptors want to bring him on? You think that would be something interesting that they should uh, consider? That would be amazing. I think that would be every Raptors fan's dream to see Vince Carter play with a Siakam or a Lowry because we all know that Lowry will go down as probably the greatest Raptor of all time. But yeah, um, it would be newsworthy for sure if Vince Carter came out of retirement and signed with the Raptors. I think regardless, I think if he came out of retirement and signed with any team, I think that would be really, really controversial but entertaining but if it was just the raptors call that man cinderella because just the shoe would fit perfectly i think he'd come to toronto and uh you know he would just maybe play 10 to 12 minutes be that leader be that you know ambassador basically for the franchise that he literally built so vince carter i think going to the raptors would be just every raptors fan's dream i think so you know i think we're all thinking that as as Raptor fans, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. But that would just be – that'd be the icing on the cake for sure. That would be awesome. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Like, they kind of expand the rosters because the NHL, they have to expand the rosters. They're bringing in rookies, some of them. Uh, the AHL players are coming up. They expand these rosters, and you can maybe find some place to have Vince Carter, even though they don't have to dress him maybe every game. He can play every other game, I think. That would be a, a fitting end to his career. But uh, also like Denver, Nikola Jokic uh, tested positive uh, for COVID-19. Does the Nuggets now have to worry about, okay, maybe if he tests positive, uh, some of their other star players might test positive and they might not be able to perform at that high level and go on the run that they hope for? Yeah, for sure. Uh, this is very, very concerning if I'm, if I'm Denver uh, Jokic, we just saw he had a tremendous body transformation. He lost a lot of weight. He was starting to look really good. Uh, maybe he was just going to start hitting the, the weight room and maybe get a little more muscle, but it, it is unfortunate what's happened with Jokic. I think, um, there's no, no, don't, you no need to panic. If you're, if you're Denver, just, um, just take the, the proper precautions, you know, two weeks, just go back home to Serbia and just rest it off. I think, um, as long as he hasn't really been in contact with anyone on Denver, I don't see, you know, the big problem. But um, I think this is where Adam Silver has to really, really think long term. Um, he's taking a big risk for his reputation. He's either going to be the hero for NBA fans where basketball comes back and we're back to some sort of normal or Adam Silver is the villain and people start getting more and more cases and then literally we won't have an NBA season this year and it will probably even be dragged uh, maybe even shortened next year. So Adam Silver has to really make a decision, I think in the next week or two, because there are even people 
asking me at work, Alino, they're saying, you know, Chris, do you think that the NBA season is going to come back with these new cases emerging? And I'm really not even sure at this point. I know that it's a, it's about a month away till they come back and there's now this new transaction window that's open, but yeah. I don't know, man. Like, there, it's it's very risky, especially if like the star player of your team, like a Jokic, is getting it. It's just very, very concerning for for the NBA in general and just for people in general. So, again, we all know that there's not going to be any fans in Orlando. We know it's just going to be strictly for players playing. But at the end of the day, um, I wouldn't be surprised that like we just talked about with Avery Bradley sitting out, Dwight Howard p- potentially sitting out, Trevor Ariza also said he's sitting out. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of uh, NBA players just start, you know, turning their heads away from the game. We all know what happened with uh, with George Floyd as well. That's another kind of sensitive topic to talk about, but it's unfortunate how it's kind of come up. And we all know that the NBA, it's it's more um, it's more of a racialized game. It, there's more there's more black um, athletes than white, so it's it's a very sensitive topic. It's very Close, it hits close to home with a lot of NBA players. So even you, you even have to put that into perspective as well. So a lot of NBA players right now, man, I don't really think they, they're even in the right mindset to play. We all know LeBron James has said that he wants to play and he wants the season to go. And we've seen guys say, oh, if LeBron James says the season's going to go, then it's going to go. I, I believe Patrick Beverly said that. So um, I think at this point, it just depends on where people want to go if they, if they want to unite you know for social justice then maybe they'll step away from the game but if you want to unite in terms of bringing back sports and and helping out the fans you can do that as well so there's both sides of the spectrum and i think i think you know players have to start making that decision another one like this is interesting because now with florida like all these cases are starting to come up a lot that's where the nba is going to be at disney so do you think they should re- like reconsider being there? Like, should they go somewhere else and maybe uh, like a Vegas or a Vancouver and have that as their hub city? Or do you think they'll be fine in Florida? Uh, I don't think they'll be fine in Florida. Um, I think, though, again, like we were talking about with Adam Silver making the decision, I think he was, he's been so focused on it being in Orlando and Disney world. And it's a very secluded area and, I think he needs to start realizing that right now Florida is a hotbed and it's been a hotbed. Like the cases right now are at like 4,000 a day, which is ridiculous. So I think he has to start noticing other options out there. And you, you just mentioned Las Vegas and Vancouver. I think Vancouver would be, it would be different for sure for NBA players, but I think it would be a reasonable destination in terms of how in Canada, I don't want to jinx it, but the number of cases has gone down tremendously and you know the city is starting to reopen some stuff, but I'm I'm really I'm really happy with with uh, with the what Adam Silver has done so far. I think he's done a fantastic job trying to trying to organize this as best as he can. I think Adam Silver, um, a lot of other commissioners need to kind of take this approach and in, in that you have to take a little more risks. Um, Batman has to do it a little more. We all know that there's been a, a uh, there's been more lockouts in the NHL and we all know that the salary maybe is a little more harder to handle, but um, I really do like Adam Silver's approach in this whole thing. I mean, if Orlando doesn't work out, I'm pretty sure he has other destinations on his mind, but I'm still, I'm still convinced uh, Alino that he's sold on, on Orlando. I think he's going to stay there. Yeah. That'd be also like 
they were to go to Vancouver, I think that'd be interesting. Maybe Vancouver, in the meantime, while they're there, they can get an Adam Silver's day. You want to come up again to Vancouver, bring a team over here. Uh, of course, Seattle would be another interesting one, but I don't know what this being in Florida, like the MLS is going to be there starting this week or next week on July 1st. All the players are reporting there. July 8th, their uh, World Cup or MLS's back tournament starts. So you're going to have a lot of people on that Disney lot over there, NBA and MLS. So I don't know. I think if they were to go somewhere else, it might be better for the safety because MLS is only there probably for a month or two. And the NBA, you're looking at maybe being there for three months. So if they were to go elsewhere, that would be, I don't know, probably better for the players' health. Maybe a lot of them won't. Uh, have cases come up because all you need is like let's say i don't want to jinx it but like let's say lebron or uh russell westbrook or james harden those are like the faces of your league uh so i'd hate to see that yeah um th- for sure i i don't want to see like we we just talked about it um i don't know if we're going to talk about it later but austin matthews has the COVID 19 and when i saw that and i was just kind of devastated i'm like okay this is the face of the league franchise we need to make sure that this guy's okay. We, you have to take the right precautions, just like with anyone, you know, moving to Florida, going there, you know, to play. Like even I was seeing that the Raptors are going to head down early. Um, like, like again, if you're a Raptor, are you really going to do that? Like, you know that Orlando's a hotbed right now and you know that the season um, potentially is coming back, but you don't know for sure because there's probably going to be a bunch of, you know, uh, meetings in the next couple of weeks with you know with management and and you know business associates and they're just kind of probably and owners they're probably just gonna you know discuss you know further options for the for the for the season but I don't I, like if you're a, if you're Kyle Lowry and if you're Pascal Siakam are you really going to Florida early to train just to maybe even catch the virus like because Canada right now, like I, I think Vancouver would be a perfect destination because Canada right now, we're, 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 you know, we're doing fine. We're like, we, we did have our time with the cases, but you know, it's gone down considerably. And then you go to Orlando and it's a hotbed right now. So again, like I'll ask this question, I guess, Alino, like if you're Siakam and Lowry, like, what are you thinking? Like you're here in Toronto, you know, um, you're, you're training here. And then all of a sudden Adam Silver saying, okay, well, Soon as you guys are in another country, you guys got to come to a hotbed and you guys got to start training early. Just I want to know what your thoughts are on that in terms of if you were maybe an athlete, like what would you think? Yeah, I'd be against it because now with uh, all these cases, there's a risk even more than what it was when they first announced all these plans. So if uh, the NBA were to get together last minute, maybe book somewhere else, uh, come up with something association that would be something to do but right now the way it is i would be against even going there because you're going to be in a hotbed for three months it's probably not going to be the best definitely you're going to have a lot more players test positive uh and then like just like we were mentioning before if a star gets it then you're looking at your tv ratings maybe taking a big hit because that's the guys that they want to see play so the quality might be down uh, especially from those starting games. So I think they really should uh, come up with some scenario that would see them maybe go to a different hub city in that whole three-month period. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, I'm looking at some free agents here for the NBA, and there are some pretty solid names here that actually 
they don't have a job. You know, uh, I'm at Shumper was pretty good with Cleveland. You have, you know, Ryan Anderson, who was a three point machine with Houston. You have <laughs> this guy was fifth in MVP voting in 2016. Isaiah Thomas. I guess I'll start with him. Uh, Alino, if there was a playoff team to sign Isaiah Thomas, does it have to be the Boston Celtics? Oh, definitely. They have to remake, like, <laughs> they have to get back at that. And I guess there's a bad taste when Isaiah Thomas, they just traded him even knowing everything that he went through. And then the hip surgery. And I think they use this value to their advantage. And then his medical history on top of that. So I think they need to rewrite a wrong there and uh, make things right, bring him back, even if he's on the bench. Uh, and then... I guess other players, like look at free agents now that are probably against signing with Boston just because of that. They have to to spin that whole thing with the PR. Yeah, I agree. I think Isaiah Thomas would be a tremendous story coming back, going to Boston. Maybe he could be that missing piece because we all know how loved Isaiah Thomas is in the league. He's one of the most beloved guys, especially the story that season with his with his sister and you know just the season he had he averaged 29 points a game five foot nine you know it's a great story but you know what happened was very unfortunate with him when you talk about PR and you talk about probably worst case scenario when it came to everything that transpired with Kyrie Irving saying I'm going to be a Celtic for life and then all of a sudden just everything went south very fast so I do think Isaiah Thomas, he wouldn't he wouldn't be starting because they do have Kemba Walker, but I think it would just be amazing. I think that would just be something that would just please the league. It would please a lot of fans, and I think it would just make this whole situation with COVID just a little bit better with, with a nice touching story like that. So I really want to see Isaiah Thomas go to Boston. I want to see him be a part of a, a long playoff run, and I, I'm hoping that Isaiah Thomas finds a permanent team because there is no way that this guy should be sitting at home as a free agent. Yeah. And uh, what about Iman Shumpert? Do you think he'll find his way somewhere? Or uh, do you think this is just another role player that I guess some teams might go after the veteran instead? Because Shumpert, if he were to go into a team, he might uh, you might look at him and say, okay, we can only really use him in an offensive situation. He doesn't really how that defensive edge, like a Patrick Beverly or even a Jamal Crawford, do you think he might be on the outs there and finding a job right now? Yeah, I think it, when you think of Shumpert, it's very tough. He, he could just be looked at as another role player, but I don't know. There's something about Shumpert that, that to me stands out more. And that's, I think other than him, other than his hairstyle before with the, you know, the, he looked like a zebra almost with the, with the hair, but uh, I think it's his offensive instincts. I think there's not a lot of guys that, you know, uh, in his role, I think I meant Shumpert, he could be a, a hell of a player, a hell of a role player, kind of like what, you know, CJ Miles was back then for Indiana, kind of like what Channing Fry was for, for Cleveland. I think I meant Shumpert can be that for like a Houston. He could come in off the bench. And if like Harden is in foul trouble or Russ is having a, you know, a bad game, you can maybe put Shumpert in with Eric Gordon. You can mix up that chemistry. You could even uh, put a Chris Clemens back in with Iman Shumpert. You could put Shumpert with, you know, Robert Covington. I think that I think Shumpert going back to Houston would would be pretty damn solid for Houston in terms of maybe making that playoff run if they're going to 
play less ISO ball. I think Iman Shumper could be a good fit in Houston. Another guy I think that could be a great fit in Houston. He played um, a long time actually in the NBA before going to the Big Three. We all know who he is, Joe Johnson. Yeah. I think he needs to. I think he needs to be in the NBA, man. Like he's been so good. I think the last two years in the Big Three. I think he was their MVP there. Uh, he still has the skill. He he could probably still put up around like 16 points a game. Uh, he's he's that offensive minded, and we all know the NBA nowadays. It's more small ball. It's more dominant. Uh, Pete, like a like it's a small ball game now. You know, the smaller you are, the the more skill you have, and it's it's uh, more about skill instead of when the, you know Tim Duncan was in the league and Kevin Garnett. It was more about the big men, the gritty big men that would dominate the paint. Now it's more about, you know, the the flashy three-point shooting. And I think Joe Johnson has that in his repertoire. And I think he should definitely be looked at maybe by Denver, maybe by a team that isn't really looked at as a threat, but could easily get over that hump if they maybe were to sign a veteran or just any other free agent. But Alino, who do you think uh, Joe Johnson should go to or maybe a Pau Gasol? Oh, yeah. The, I was actually just thinking of, Joe Johnson, as you brought him up, I almost forgot about him. In the big three, just the numbers he was putting up, how great he looked. I think San Antonio would be a perfect fit for Joe Johnson, just the type of uh, style he plays. You see DeMar over there, LaMarcus Aldridge. I think if you add him there, that would be a perfect fit. And Paul Gasol, maybe if he wants to run it back again in Milwaukee. Like last year, he didn't really get a chance to play, but that could be a fit. The Raptors could also be a fit if he plays with Marcus Gasol. Limited minutes, but... Yeah, I think those are the two teams for Gasol, but Joe Johnson, I'd love to see him on San Antonio. Yeah, that'd be absolutely – that'd be insane, Paul Gasol go in there. Um, yeah, that's basically it for Hoop, but uh, Alino, I'm actually you – should, you, should, you should do the honors here. We got some big news coming out last week about a legend. Oh, yeah, Undertaker looked like he's retiring at the end of that documentary. He said he does no desire – of uh, wrestling again so i don't know there's a lot of people about this like you think he's actually retired or maybe he's gonna wrestle again because he might have second thoughts like he's had in the past this isn't the first time he's been uh debating about that and thinking about retiring but do you think he's actually done or is this just uh, a way to lead into one more match i think if he is done they did it the right way where you have, you know, um, him right off in the sunset to that music. And, you know, he, he buried AJ alive in that beautiful match. I thought that was match of the night for sure. But again, like Undertaker is a guy for me, like Brock Lesnar, where like, I feel like you never really know he's going to retire and, and you believe for so well, he's done this for like, since 2012, because I remember the, that was the end of an era, that match. I thought that was where he was going to retire. Man, that was that was eight years ago. So I don't I'm not really sold on him saying he's retired yet. I think I, I'm going to play the wait and see approach. But if he is retired, it's a great way to go out and, you know, defeat AJ Styles in that cinematic, beautiful match. I think it couldn't have gone any better if that was his last match. But I'm, I'm, Alino, I'm going to play the wait and see for now. I think he maybe has another match left in him. Yeah, it's crazy because, like, I remember 
looking even on YouTube, I found an interview with him. This is 2003 on the score with James Sobolski, which is random. And he's talking about like retiring then. And this is 17 years ago. He goes on, uh, changes his character again from the biker back to his original character. And he has like another run in him, has some of the best matches of his career. And then we saw after he lost to Roman, he left his stuff in the ring. And that's everyone thought he retired again. He comes back the next year. So I don't know. I don't think he is retired. I think he has like maybe one more. Uh, I think he would like to AJ in front of a uh, sold out crowd, not in a cinematic type match. This was good though to have. Uh, but I'm also not ruling out a match with Randy Orton being his last match because Orton on Raw comes out and says he's a legend killer again. So it would be fitting if they go with Randy Orton, a company guy, someone who's probably not going to be leaving like John Cena into Hollywood. So I think Randy Orton would be a perfect final match. Or if they want to go again with AJ in the full arena, I think that would be the only two options if you want to have that one man match. Yeah, I agree. I think that is um, that 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 that's best case scenario. You know, a lot of people always say they wanted to see you know John Cena versus Undertaker in a proper match. I don't want to see that anymore. I think Cena's past his prime and he's not in that same mindset anymore where he relies on WWE. Uh, I do agree. I think AJ Styles. If there's anybody in this modern era that would probably put on that outstanding match with 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 the undertaker i think it's aj styles i i I love seth rollins i think what he's done in his wwe career is just simply phenomenal and he's got a lot more years left but i don't see seth rollins versus the undertaker working out at this stage in undertaker's career i don't see where the story would go um i know he's the messiah and he's looked at as a god and we saw that with sean in 2009 but you cannot bring back that few like that program and that storytelling because that's just going to fall flat the expectations with sean and taker was it just it it blew expectations to me it's the greatest wrestlemania match of all time if you guys haven't watched it go back watch wrestlemania 25 sean versus undertaker just absolutely crazy but i agree with you alino 100 percent right now randy orton is rolling as probably one of the this is one of the best runs i think i've seen from him in a long time so if you have Ric Flair as his manager, I think in now with the Legend Killer character officially being back, as he's he's mentioned it on Raw, I think, you know, this is him killing a legend. This is where you have Randy Orton. The the feud with him in 05 comes back full circle, WrestleMania 21. And this is where Randy Orton gets the better of The Undertaker and he punts him into retirement. And a lot of people probably won't like it when we say that, but... That would be absolutely tremendous. You have Undertaker doing something rare and putting over a talent, as Undertaker rarely does that, because we all thought he was going to lose to Bray, but he didn't at WrestleMania. So uh, Undertaker doesn't put over talent often. Even at this year's WrestleMania, I kind of wanted AJ to win, but I knew he wasn't going to. So I feel like Randy Orton beating and, and punting Undertaker into retirement would be another great option if he does come back. And I would, I'd want to see that as soon as SummerSlam because I think Randy Orton right now is way too hot and you can't really, you can't stop him. He's, he's just been absolutely phenomenal right now. And I think that would be absolutely best for WWE television. If you have the undertaker versus Randy Orton right now, but if, if not, then I'm, I'm all happy for undertaker retiring. I think the boneyard match was absolutely fantastic. I thought it was match of the year so far, in my opinion, 
And uh, I guess we'll just see what happens with The Undertaker. Would you be happy if they did uh, Undertaker Orton at Survivor Series and make it like the 30-year anniversary of his debut? And instead of Undertaker losing, if you were to retire with a win, or would you prefer him uh, losing to either Orton or AJ at Survivor Series? I think regardless, we all know what's going what's gonna to come after the match. I think we all know it would probably be his last. I think it would make more sense in terms of like a, a, an anniversary celebration. I think it would be him winning. I think that would make a little more sense. But I don't know, man. I, I kind of want to see Randy Orton beat him. If, if that match is going to happen or if AJ faces The Undertaker, I think I want to see either one of them beat the undertaker because the undertaker really has nothing to, to lose anymore. I think he knows that a lot of WWE fans know that. I mean, I knew that since he, he, since his streak broke, I thought that, that, that was heart wrenching for me, you know, seeing him lose. I thought that was just terrible. Um, It's going to go down as one of the best moments though, in WWE history. I think that is what Vince wanted to accomplish. And he did. The surprise factor was insane, but I don't know, man. What do you what do you want? Do you want to see him win? Do you want to see him lose? I think I'm more on I want to see him lose. Yeah, I think it, him losing would make a lot more sense, but like you just look at some of these matches he's had. Like he went out against AJ if that's his last match as a win at WrestleMania. I think he should lose as a way to like I don't know, they don't need to build them up. That's why I think it's better to go with the- Gordon, because if you were to face the fiend or Alistair black, like so many people want to see, like, I don't want to see it, but there's a lot of people that want to see those guys maybe get the rub. Like, I don't even see how they can benefit from beating an older undertaker in his last match. It just puts too much pressure on them for what's to follow. I think it's safer with guys like Orton and AJ, where if they beat them, then you already know they're the guys in WWE and they don't have to live up to that pressure. So yeah, I'd like to see him lose. I don't want to see him win his last match. I think it's also up to the fans and how they see a superstar. I think if you would, were to have The Undertaker face Aleister Black right now, I feel like it would get very negative um, press just based off of where Undertaker's been in his career and where Aleister Black hasn't. Aleister Black hasn't had a, a significant moment yet in, in on WWE television. And at least, I mean, he hasn't had a, a big run. He, we all know he's he's a key player for them, but like he he doesn't have that resume yet that screams, you know what I mean? Like that screams, yeah. it's going to be amazing. Like Alistair Black and Undertaker, yes, they have a the same character almost, but I really don't want to see Alistair Black versus the Undertaker, especially now. And in terms of the Fiend, I think it would just diminish the Fiend completely if the, if you had the Fiend versus the Den Man. And, you know, you have the match be really bad or you, it would just it would just turn really sour really quickly, I think, for The Fiend. So I think with these emerging stars like Aleister Black and The Fiend and uh, you, you don't really know where these characters can potentially go and what their ceiling is, like what we've seen with the dead man over the years. I think you could easily have the Demon King. You could have the Demon Finn Balor. You could have The Fiend Bray Wyatt. You could have Aleister Black. You could have all these guys kind of mold their their character off of the undertaker but no one's ever going to be another undertaker so i think wwe has to accept that and and i think guys like randy orton and aj styles just how much they're liked and respected and how long they've been in the business as well 
people forget how old AJ Styles is and people forget how long Randy Orton has been in WWE. Uh, so I think it's it's a best case scenario for AJ and Randy if they were to go into a match with The Undertaker now. But in terms of other guys like The Fiend and Aleister Black, I think it's a, a, a lose-lose scenario because if Undertaker wins, then he buries a young talent. But if Aleister Black and The Fiend win, then it's kind of like, well, well, like there's not really nothing more these guys can do that can maybe... Uh, th- there's nothing better that can happen on their resume because to me, an Undertaker win could easily be bigger than a WWE title win, at least in this day and age in WWE. Yeah. Because we saw Baron Corbin <laughs> should have been Angle versus probably like Cena or even Randy Orton. And they went with Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin for his last match. Corbin beats him and he just won a King of the Ring after that, and we don't even hear his name ever since. He's barely featured. He's barely in any significant feud. So you're looking at something where The Fiend or even Aleister Black, they would probably go down that same road. I think it would, you recalled it right there. It's like you beat Undertaker. That's like your title win in WWE's eyes, and then they'll just stop like promoting you more because they'll figure in their mind, okay, you already got that big win. You don't really need anything else, and then you'll probably be stale after that. So, yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, like I feel like they don't really care about titles that much anymore. Like in terms of like the amount of uh, people going for it. So like we've seen it for like the last three years. The universal title has just been linked to part timers and in Brock Lesnar, Goldberg, and those type of guys. And you know you have like the Roman Reigns and the Drew McIntyre and the Seth Rollins who are the full time superstars that are trying to get that belt. So I feel like in terms of WWE and the WWE championship and well, maybe now with Drew having it and a full-time guy actually being the champion, I think, you know, it's just a different time, at least how I'm looking at the WWE championship and the universal title in it, in that I know that it's very limited in terms of who Vince wants to have the main belt. Like you have Brock Lesnar, you have the fiend, you have Roman Reigns, I'm still surprised Braun Strowman's had it for this long. Um, There's not a lot of guys that scream WWE champion nowadays in this day and age. So I feel like, again, if, if Vince can easily go another route for another superstar that can be as big as a WWE championship win, it would be against superstars like John Cena coming back. Like what we saw with The Fiend at WrestleMania. It could be having a match with The Undertaker. It could be having a match with Edge. It could be having a match with any you know, veteran type presence that is making a significant return. Like look at what they're doing now with, with Randy Orton, you know, he edge is injured. So they have a guy like big show come back and they're trying to promote that as a, you know, a marquee matchup with two veterans coming back. So I feel like nowadays in WWE titles don't necessarily mean as much as the brand name in guys like the undertaker and John Cena. So I feel like, um, where was I going with this? These matches with The Undertaker, they're just huge matches. They're monumental matches. And we're going to see that more and more as the years go on. Like a name like a Roman Reigns, for instance. When you see him at a pay-per-view probably in a year, he will probably be main eventing over a WWE Championship match because it's the name. It's Roman Reigns. It's the name The Undertaker. It's the name Randy Orton. These guys are more important than the WWE Championship so I feel like these guys like Aleister Black and The Fiend, if they were to face The Undertaker, 
that is their WWE championship moment. That is where the lights shine the brightest. You're facing legends. So for me right now, it's a lose-lose if those guys definitely face the dead man. Yeah, and uh, hopefully, like, let's say this does happen at Survivor Series. Hopefully, like, you can see some sort of fan engagement. Like, let's say they're able to go to an arena like Madison Square Garden and have 1,500 people, 2,000 people in that 20,000-seat arena scattered around. And let's say Undertaker uses this as his last match. Do you see him coming out like we did at WrestleMania and that more of a American badass Undertaker or... Do you see him coming out as a dead man if it's his last match? I really hope they go with the exact character he had at the Boneyard match. I think that's just, um, he transitioned it perfectly. You know, he had time to get into this character. AJ made it a little more personal. So I guess this is like the original Undertaker. This is Mark Calloway. This isn't really the Undertaker. um, But I don't want to see him as the dead man. Uh, in his last match, I think we've seen that enough with, you know, um, Roman Reigns and he puts the hat down. I think you can't do that moment again. So I feel like just doing using this Undertaker where he's a little more vocal and he's a little, a little more of these, the American badass. I think this is the Undertaker that we need to see moving forward. And I think this is the Undertaker. It would just I think it would just be a better lasting image to see this Undertaker go out than the dead man. Yeah, like when he lost to Roman, it was kind of odd. Like you just see him take all his clothes off. Like, what are you going to do next, Undertaker? You're running out of clothes to take off here. <laughs> like, I think you just go off and go out the ring, go on the motorcycle. Even if he loses, you can maybe do a promo. Like, he doesn't have to be a dead man character. He can just be, you know, talking like he did in this documentary. I think this opens the door for it uh, whenever he does wrestle or his future appearances because he signed a 15-year deal with the WWE. It's probably a Legends deal, so he could come back in the future and maybe those old-school Raws and he comes on with a dead man character. There's going to be so many more opportunities for that, so I think I'm, I'm with you there. Like, his last match, like, go out like this as himself and then for those nostalgia Raws or nostalgia Smackdowns, then come back with that old Undertaker theme and the hat and uh, creatures, like, gimmick and and run with it there. So I, I think right now it's probably more suitable to be himself and adapt to that. And later on, you can just always go back to that character. Okay. Last question, I guess, before we go off favorite undertaker moments, Alino, what, what is, what is that? What is the one feud for you that stands out when you think of the dead man? Well, for like moments, like <laughs> you can't forget him throwing mankind and almost killing him on uh, that match. Oh, yeah. Off everywhere, the cell, through the cell, through the ring, uh, crucifying. I guess they don't even show that anymore. They forget this sick freak was uh, crucifying wrestlers on TV every week, putting them on a cross and posing with the Ministry of Darkness in the Attitude Era. So uh, that was a good old time for Mark Calloway. Uh, also, I guess being the American badass, and that's a lasting moment, like his first appearance like that, you don't know if that's going to work. And uh, taking that big chance of his career 10 years in, changing his character completely, and for it to even work, I think that just shows how good of a performer he is. So uh, coming out as the American Badass the first time, the whole Mankind Hell in a Cell, and uh, retiring Shawn Michaels, I think are three of the biggest moments for me. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go with the Shawn Michaels as uh, probably the greatest match I've ever seen. I think that was just... 
that's the bread and butter right there. If I'm looking at uh, WWE wrestling match DNA, I'm look. I'm gonna go watch that match, and I'm gonna say try and put on as close as this match as you can, and that then you're doing something right. I really love that match. Ask anybody. I think that's my favorite WrestleMania match of all time. Behind, um, it's it's between that and Kurt versus Sean at 21. But uh, I do love the. I love when he came out as biker taker for the first time. That was just, that was, that was monumental. Like you just said, it was very, um, he took a big risk there and it worked out. Uh, I also loved, uh, when he, when he feuded with, with edge in 2008, I thought that was absolutely phenomenal with, you know, you didn't really know what direction undertaker was going. Is this guy, you know, on his way out as edges on his way up as the, the face of the company, you have, you know, is, is the streak really on the line and time after time after time, you know, especially when I'm a kid, I think the streak, man, that's like the, the biggest thing for me. When I, when I thought of WrestleMania, when I was growing up, I thought of the streak all the time. I thought is undertaker going to lose his match. And then it got to a certain point where it's like, no, he's not losing. He's never going to lose. And then bam, WrestleMania 30 happens and he loses. And my heart just kind of felt for, for, for undertaker and, you're not supposed to feel for a character like that. So I think that's how that's how awesome he's been in that role and how long he's been in WWE. I think it's been 30 years now and that's just that's just incredible. So the journey the Undertaker uh has had has been phenomenal. The career, I think he's on he's he's deserving to be on Mount Rushmore when I think of WWE. I think he's on the Mount Rushmore for sure. But just in terms of wrestling and the quality that he's given us fans for so many years, we just got to give this guy, you know, everything. We got to give him our cheers. We got to give him our praises. We got to give him, you know, our claps, everything, because what he's done for this business, it's just, it's uncanny. And we probably won't see it in terms of a character standpoint. I don't think we'll ever see anybody like the undertaker ever again. So we have to appreciate his presence until the day he actually calls it a career. Yeah, that's uh that's going to be big. And you also mentioned like Mount Rushmore is there. Uh, Undertaker gave out his Mount Rushmore. Uh, he had Austin Hogan, uh, I believe Andre the Giant and Ric Flair on his. Uh, they had like a lot of people like Sid Sixero put out his on Twitter. Uh, pissed a lot of people off because he didn't have Bret Hart on there. So a lot of people have their own Mount Rushmore, I guess. And I guess we'll end off with this. Like, who would you put on your Mount Rushmore if you were to put uh, four guys and their primes and their longevity oh. in wrestling? Who would be on your list? Oh, in terms of longevity, I you have to put Chris Jericho there if I'm thinking longevity. But uh, I'm probably going to just stick with the usual. I think I'm going to go with Stone Cold. Uh, he was probably the hottest in in the attitude era and he really put them back on the map. I know it was mostly Vince, but stone cold really did help with the ratings. And we look at his career and how important he was to WWE. I think stone cold has to be mentioned. I think Hulk Hogan is of course has to be mentioned in terms of what he did. You know, he, he made that WrestleMania moment with Andre. I got to put Ric Flair there. Um, I think those three, like, again, I, I, I don't know. It's for me, it's between Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels. Um, but I, I really gotta, I gotta put, I gotta put the undertaker in there. Now that I'm thinking about it, everything that he's done, 
I think The Undertaker is in my Mount Rushmore. I got The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Hulk Hogan, and I'll go with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, it's a tough one because I was thinking about this. Like, you have to have Hogan and Austin just because of how much money they drew. And then with the other two spots, it kind of – a lot of people say The Rock, but The Rock was there like six or seven years full-time. A lot of people also say Brock and uh, Randy Orton, but like Brock Lesnar, more of a part-time role in the last decade. Uh, John Cena, same thing. Like He did draw. He was a top guy, but I think, yeah, Undertaker and Ric Flair, just what they did, how much money they were able to draw. Uh, what they were able to do in transforming themselves, no matter what they did, where they went, uh, how they adapted with the times. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you on that one. It's an interesting one. But what about yeah, guys like Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart? Like, do you think they're in that category of Mount Rushmore or more like if you're doing a top five wrestlers all time, they're like the one and two like uh, Hogan and- for Mount Rushmore? It it de- it depends how you define. Mount Rushmore and like what the status is for that. Um, I think in terms of wrestling, you have to put Bret Hart, Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels, Eddie Guerrero. Like you have to put those guys above like the undertaker and, and stone cold and Ric Flair and all those guys. But like, you just got to think of what they've done for the company and how long they've been doing it. And, you know, just in terms of like a household name, stone cold and the undertaker have to be there for me. I think those two guys, I think of WWE, I think of, you know, how popular they were. Like a lot of people would, would even argue Daniel Bryan, like, you know, like the modern fans, they'll, they'll, they'll argue Daniel Bryan being there just based off how important it, he was uh, with the Yes Movement and WrestleMania 30. And he, he brought a lot of people um, publicly, you know, to know what WWE was. So um, a lot of people, man, it literally just depends on, you know, how they view each superstar we all have our different opinions our different beliefs our different um you know tastes but i i do think you know there is a certain criteria that you need to look at and it is household name how long they've been doing it look at their resume uh look at how successful they've been and i think you know the four guys that we've mentioned are definitely a great start at least but again if 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 i'm bringing longevity into this you need to th- talk, start talking about guys like Randy Orton, Chris Jericho, you know, guys like that that have been doing it for already over 20 years, and no one talks about them. Even guys like Rey Mysterio, they've been around forever. So um, you got to throw in those guys, like love. You got to throw love to those guys. I wouldn't say they're Mount Rushmore, but you got to you got to give them some love as well. Um, again, like Mount Rushmore is very hard, where it's a top four. But like a top ten would be very very difficult as well. But <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have I believe it or not I don't have the Rock in my Mount Rushmore, and a lot of people will criticize me for that. But I agree with you. He wasn't there long enough. Um, I don't think I think Hollywood really did get in the way of of how great the Rock could have been as a WWE superstar. He is an outstanding actor. At one point, he was the greatest actor on the planet. But in terms of wrestling, the Rock is not on my Mount Rushmore. Yeah, and like he retired, not retired, but like he stepped away from it at 30. So <laughs> just imagine like sticking with it. If he just uh, came into it at his own even more, like he did everything by 30 years old, which is crazy. And then you have guys like John Cena who were there and did that first. 
for 15 years and then went to Hollywood. So yeah, I think I'm with you there. Like for Mount Rushmore, like you have to look at what they did to the company itself for that time. But then if you look at like star power, like who's the biggest star to come out of it, then it maybe is a rock in that like aspect of it. different lists, like different criteria. But uh, yeah, it's really interesting there. Yeah. So with that being said, I think this has been a very fun episode. Uh, basically talk most about the undertaker the guy's a legend he's been doing it for 30 years um make sure you guys comment like and subscribe to our podcast also comment down below what your favorite undertaker program was i know for me the the program that always sticks out is uh edge randy orton and batista i thought those three feuds were simply phenomenal of course everyone brings up you know sean triple h and kane but i think you know for me the one with Batista was very underrated and I didn't really know what to expect with those two, but when they clashed, it was beautiful. I thought it was perfect. Um, the one with edge was great, but guys just make sure to comment, like subscribe, comment your favorite undertaker program that you've seen over the years and make sure to stay tuned for episode 87 next week. Sydney Crosby.